This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Which, Court, there's a lot of new stuff going on. You know, Zupan's always rotates new products from around the world in the store, and it's always fun to keep up with it. Right now, there's truff, mayo, and pasta sauce, which looks delicious. I've got to try this. They have uh, black truffle arrabbiata, black truffle pomodoro sauce, pasta sauce, and they also have spicy mayonnaise with truffles and just plain. So I I probably would like to try both of those. How about you? Yeah, I would say if you're a fan of truffles, I mean, uh, stop at your local Zupans is the thing to do this week to check out all, all that great stuff. It sounds delicious. Uh, make that uh, sandwich you're eating this weekend even sexier. Or tastier, actually. That's okay. However you want to perceive it. Sure. Uh, Something you might not know about me, uh, Chris, is that I'm a huge fan of kombucha, and I'm excited about this. Something new at your local Zupans is Shrub Bucha. It was created out of Venice, California. If you don't know anything about uh, kombucha, it's probiotics, and uh, Shrub Bucha are probiotic mocktails, zero net sugar, Filled with uh, the good bacteria, yeast, enzymes, vitamins, and uh, they're they're really refreshing. I love kombucha, so stop by your local Zupans and check out this shrubbucha. I'm glad you like that, and I'll see your kombucha and and raise you with joy root. Uh, different flavored teas. We have strawberry, lime, lemon, ginger, um, and orange. Um, so they are founded by tea maven Stephen Howard in Seattle who recognized a little gap in the market for healthy plant-based drinks. So Joy Root's line of hibiscus and Tulsi teas are specially blended with no caffeine and are low in sugar. Very nice, Chris. And we uh, really need to point this out. This is the weekend I wait for every year. It's the five-day sale, uh, May 27th through the 31st. Buy one hanging basket, get the second one free. I wait every year for this. And you don't have to wait any longer. No. But you do need a coupon, so make sure you sign up for that news feed and get your coupon with for the uh, buy one, get one free hanging basket at your local Zupans. Three locations to stop by. You got McAdam, West Burnside, Lake Oswego. And where do they sign up for the news feed, Chris? Zupans.com. All right, here it is. Time once again. It's Portland's Food Scene Podcast. It's right at the fork with your host, Chris Angeles from Portland Food Adventures. And Court Johnson, thank you for that nice introduction. It's always nice to hear your voice. I'm not so sure everybody thinks that way about mine, but we'll go with it anyway, since we've been doing this for eight years. Oh, I, I, I love hearing your voice, Chris. It's a, it's a comfort in this troubled world. <laughs> well... Can I, may I quote you on that? You may. You may. That, that, that'll become the new uh, little byline for the podcast. Chris's right. comforting that'll, that'll voice. Quote on, yeah. on Instagram. Instead of actually listening to our guests, we'll just have you touting me as comfort in this confusing, strange world we have now. Sure. Yeah. No, I mean... I, I, it, it, it's something I've learned because, you know, I've been doing radio for now over 20 years. Uh, you, you do develop relationships with the people's voices that you hear, whether whether you ever meet them in person or not. Um, but you, you start develop, you know, you, you do develop 
relationships with them. So I would assume we, we probably have listeners to right at the fork that we've probably never met, but listen to us regularly that uh, we've become old friends without ever realizing it. So I think so. And once in a while we hear from people, not very often, which I don't know is good or bad, but um, I'm, I'm always happy to hear from someone that they've listened to the podcast and they enjoyed a particular episode. And um, it makes me feel good because this is not like radio where you have immediate feedback because you're on the air and you do contests and you hear from people. Yeah. This is all put out there. And, um, you know, we know people are listening, which is great, but we don't often hear from people. And one thing we haven't been very good at over the years is suggesting that people subscribe and comment um, because that helps us. And I think we could have, if we'd done a better job of encouraging people, we might have a few more listeners right now. Sure. Sure. Or, or more people uh, emailing us saying, hey, what's up? I, I, I will point out, Chris, uh, it, it is very it is not dissimilar to wh- what I experience on the radio side is you typically don't hear from people unless they're upset or angry about something. It, it, the, the nice compliments typically don't come your way, which is OK. We're not fishing for anything here. But if you do have any nice uh, compliments. What's the we, we we have an email. Is it right at the fork at gmail.com? That's it. But yeah. you know, most of the comments we get are pretty good. And yeah. then I get I get comments through Instagram, either through at food podcast PDX or my uh Instagram is Portland Food ADV, right. cut off at the adventures at the V. Um I hear from people, as a matter of fact, I just heard from Someone on the coast who's listening, who listened to our recent podcast um, with the uh, folks at Recess Food Truck. So uh, they're seeking me out personally, which is interesting. Uh, that's new. I haven't had that happen. Yeah. Uh, used to, it would come through the podcast, which is fine. But at any rate, no, we do hear some positive feedback and we try to stay out of trouble. Right. <laughs> yes. That's uh that that's my um that's that's my uh, little catchphrase is Cor Johnson he tries to stay out of trouble. Yeah, uh, so you know it was a, a few years ago. I think Heather Jones. The first two years we had the podcast, she would note when we were getting into the trouble zone by making certain comments. But then she left, and you and I had to start monitoring each other. I don't have much to monitoring of you. There's nothing there, but you kind of have to keep track of, hey, maybe you didn't want to say that. Um, And over the last year, you know, it's funny. I was watching Bill Maher recently and his talking about walking on eggshells because you can't say anything anymore. And uh, I've really felt it over the last year. I I feel like my sense of humor has been stunted because I'm afraid to crack a joke or say something that I used to think was generally amusing and then realize I. I don't know. I don't know why that would be offensive. Yeah, but it could be. Yeah, yeah. No, it. it I, you know, I mean, it's it, there's an, there's an ebb and flow to all of this, and I think some of it goes to some extremes. But I do. I I should say the other day I found a, a, a hard drive, like an external hard drive, and I found some of my early radio bits from maybe ten, fifteen years ago, and I started listening to them, and I, I the number of times I was cringing to myself of either something I thought was funny or some funny angle that I was doing. Just like, Ugh. either A, it was not funny, or B, I would, there's no way at all I would be able to do that today. Yeah, well, worse 
is when you think you're funny and you have a stupid giggle. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. Oh, yeah. And I hear that and I just cringe. Oh, sure. And so the other thing is when I listen to other people and I know I have habits that I'm not necessarily aware of, but the like and the go Mm -hmm. in today's world, I guess I just have to get used to it because that's what it is. But everybody's like and everybody's like, everything is like instead of actually is. And the go, no one says, everybody goes. And so I try to be, I'm sure I do it myself now. I know I do, but I try to keep it to a minimum. But when I hear others do it, I am thinking to myself, do they hear themselves? But I don't think people care any longer about like and go. I think it's just part of our vernacular. Sure. Yeah, no, we we definitely talk more casually than we, we, you know, I I think it's, I don't want to say it's the dumbing down, but I think we talk so casually via text and, uh, and whatnot there, the formality is kind of, is kind of gone. Right. But have you noticed when someone is into the word like, or go, they just use it constantly. Oh, sure. That's I have, I have teenage daughters, Chris. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's nonstop. So yeah, yeah, it's, but everything, I just would like to hear someone that's not the same use of the word like, I would enjoy hearing someone say, I said, or I, or I thought instead of I go right or he goes uh, to just, uh, I wish, you know, I really wish I could turn that filter off and not be so annoyed, but this is, this comes from my mother. Oh, sure. So yeah. Thanks mom. Yeah. There we go. So there, as we, as we talk about all of our flaws, uh, let's talk about a guy. I don't think he has any flaws at all. Our guest None. this week. Yeah. None. I'm sure he would. Well, Brett Burmeister actually is the kind of guy who would cop to his flaws, I'm sure. Sure. Um, as a matter of fact, he's very humble and forthright in the interview that we just had yesterday, which was May 25th, Tuesday, um, where he talks about how he started up uh, Food Carts Portland. And then we talk about why he sold it, which was just news he sold it earlier this year and he kept it kind of quiet. And then uh, he and I started talking and he agreed that he would be okay with talking about the sale of food carts, Portland. And then the day before we were going to do the interview, he goes out on social media and announces to everybody that he sold it months after he sold it two days before we're the day before we have the interview, but it's okay. I'm not, I'm not concerned that his, some of his friends on Facebook already knew and maybe they want to listen i would think they would want to listen to hear some of the details of that rather than just a paragraph or sure two. yeah it's talking about it but the details are really interesting when he talks about um when he started to get a little bored with it i don't know bored but concerned with the food cart world and his passion may have been waning a little bit a few years ago and uh then how the sale came about and it's interesting to note here that Food Carts Portland is no longer run by someone in Portland. How about that? Oh, wow. And, uh, but I don't, I know Brett, he talks about it, sold it to a friend in Seattle who has a lot to do with the food cart scene up there who's been, who's champing at the bit to get into Portland. And so I don't think he would have done it had he felt like his baby was not going to be in great hands. Right. So. He did that. And also, we should note that uh, Brett owns home, comma, a bar 
on Morrison Street in Portland, Southeast Morrison Street. And uh, that's his passion now. And by freeing up some time and energy, he's able to concentrate more on what's going on at the bar. And it sounds like the bar is doing great. I was so happy to hear that after this pandemic. But he's got all sorts of new things going on, and he can focus on that full time. And also some of his travels which he's excited about doing now that he's uh, tricked out. Um, he's tricked out a vehicle to do some remote camping. So I don't think we talked about that necessarily, but, you know, we're all getting older and it's nice to set up our lives so that we have time to do those things that we enjoy. And I think by selling food carts, Portland, Brett now has a little more time to enjoy and also build his, um, his bar business, which is, very strong. And, you know, that bar has, is kind of famous. It was featured on, I think it was featured on a Jim Morrison album years ago. Oh, wow. You would know better than I, Court. Nah, may, maybe I would, I, I, but I, it's not, nothing's coming to mind right now. So I guess anybody could Google that and sure. look it up. But, uh, but I would say before you Google that, Google home a bar and make your way over there too because he's claiming that he's got one of the best burgers in portland too yeah. so i haven't i haven't tried it but i plan on it i i think uh i think we should have a lunch date chris there and but and that's not a bad idea because we used to have our lunch dates not far from there at um i was gonna say bitcoin oh it's it's but, top of, top of mind these days. Yeah, no, no, not not the Bitcoin, but the BitHouse Saloon. BitHouse Saloon, right? Yeah, Bitcoin is top of mind. But we should do that. Let's go have a burger and talk about the the year ahead for right at the fork, which we don't do very often. Nope, I'm down. Okay, let's do it. And I think uh, let's hope everybody's down for this interview with Brett Burmeister right now. Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to local baked goods, fresh flowers, and an extensive craft beer selection. Step into Zupan's and be inspired for your next meal. Food-loving customers as well as local chefs know that Zupan's is the place to find the very best Northwest bounty in Portland, West Burnside, Southwest McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Local and family-owned for over 40 years. Zupan's Markets. Portland Food Adventures. Ready to break out and travel to some of the world's most delicious destinations? Portland Food Adventures has space available on two trips in 2022 to Basque Country in Spain with Chef Javier Canteras of Urdaneta. Also, if you've never experienced Italy with Austria Enzyme, join Chris for the most delicious nine days in Western Sicily imaginable. Info at portlandfoodadventures.com. And by... Finex Cast Iron Cookware Company. Finex is built for those that believe details make the difference. Whether crafting cookware or cooking a meal, attention to detail can elevate the everyday into something extraordinary. Finex pays attention to detail to bring you inspiration and tools for a lifetime of meals and memories. Make the everyday extraordinary. Find out more at FinexUSA.com. All right, well, listen, I appreciate your doing this. Um, thank you very much. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, yeah, so I saw you put a little thing on Facebook last night or yesterday or the day before, I don't remember, um, about your selling Food Carts Portland. 
And uh, that was a long run for you. How long a run was it for you? 10 years. 10, 10. to 11 years. Yeah. And can you, I think we talked about it in a prior podcast, but that's a long time ago. Talk a little bit about how Food Carts Portland came about and uh, how you, what you expected when you started it and what it became. Yeah, so, you know, Food Carts Portland was started back 2009, 2010 uh, by my former business partner. And at the time, I was writing for some other blogs and I was kind of getting my feet wet out there on Twitter and you know, early on with all this social media, et cetera. And I was ahead of the game. I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, a lot of people who I met were like, what the heck are you talking about? Twitter blogs, et cetera. But it was foreseeing this idea that there was uh, voices that just weren't being spoken about. There were stories that weren't being written about. Uh, you know, it's the, the, the whole thing about traditional media versus uh, non-traditional media. And how, you know, the Oregonian would only write about, you know, the restaurant groups that would pay them money. They would never write about a taco stand down the street. Uh, and, and nobody would. Uh, the Mercury didn't. The Willamette Week didn't. Nobody did. And so that became the goal of Food Carts Portland. Uh, I was brought on as kind of a contributor and then I took it over. And here we are, you know, 10 years later. Um, and my goal early on was not to be an asshole. Um, and mainly because- Oh man, so, and you kept going even though you- Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, so, so if, you know, and we still have this today where the internet created trolls, the internet created a, a, a way for people to just be mean. And we had this joke early on in Facebook and still, still a joke today that you could go onto Facebook and write puppies are cute. And you'll have nine or 10 comments of like, I fucking hate puppies, pardon my language. But it's this idea, even back then with, with early blogs, there was, no matter what you wrote about, positive, whatever, there was always someone who would come in and just be mean. And, and they did it anonymously. So my goal early on was to be egalitarian. It wasn't my purpose to judge a food cart. It was my purpose to tell their story. And that created what it is today. Um, this idea that over the course of 10 years, I never said anything negative about a food cart. Well, once. Um, but, it, you know, did I have bad food? Did I, did I have bad experiences? Did I? Yes. But I would turn those into maybe that was a bad day for this person. Let's just tell their story. And usually their stories were brilliant and uh epic and unique and it could also just be a story about the food not about the person sometimes people are boring sometimes food's boring you just switch it up but you know 15 1800 you know write-ups over that time of period it's it's it was it was a way for us as a community to grow street food scene uh explore the street food scene in portland and beyond and then uh you know love it for what it was not what we think it should be like when we think about you know you know the whole restaurant review stuff and you know five star four star etc um let's just let's just enjoy food right well i think that's one of the um 
you know, the things I identified early on before I started doing what I'm doing was that there are these stories. And that's one of the unique things about Portland is that there were humans associated with restaurants and food carts. Mm. You know, when I went to restaurants in Connecticut, I, there were not humans generally associated with that restaurant. It was just the server bringing something out from in back where you couldn't see anything. Yeah. And then when you got here, not only, you know, did restaurants have kitchens that were out front and chefs that were out front, but of course, food carts, that's the nature of the, the beast. Um, so yeah, it's nice that you were able to, uh, to feature that. Did you have any idea that the food cart scene would grow to what it became? And yeah. a lot of people give you some credit for that. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and I don't I, mean to I, sound like Trump. Many people no, say. No, um, <laughs> no I mean, I, 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 you know, I'll be humble and, say, and, and, and take some credit for broadening the scene um, because, you know, I did go full bore into it, uh, eating at food carts five days a week, writing five posts a week uh, for a few years, um, expanding in the food cart into tours and working with Portland, uh, <clears throat> travel Portland and travel Oregon to help promote it, um, speaking at conferences, speaking at events worldwide. So, yeah, I, 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 I did help, but also I wasn't behind the food cart. You know, I wasn't the one making all the food. All, all the people in the, at the time, at, you know, at one point there were a thousand running food carts and there still are, they're, they're everywhere. They're the, they're the hard workers. I mean, again, they're the people who go to, go to work every day, eight hours a day, 10 hours a day. I, I, I write about them. So give them, give them a credit too. But, you know, I think it was like 11, 12, 13, 2000, you know, at the end of the year, I'd write a end of year post and I talk about, what we experience and growth and, you know, statistics, but stories and let's look at this and Hey, congratulations. So-and-so for opening a restaurant. And I think after the third year I was doing these predictions and I stopped because I'm like, I don't have any clue because it was just on this trajectory of growth. And, you know, it all started downtown and then it was a trajectory of growth on the East side with all the pods and then it was a drop, right? Because of development on, on, uh, uh, in different neighborhoods. And then now we're even skyrocketing more with, with, uh, pods. I, I was just out on Southeast 82nd, south of Foster Boulevard. Now, if you know that area, you'll know that that's a lot of car dealerships, a lot of different. And there are three food car pods that are just stunningly beautiful built with indoor, like beer garden, everything. And I mean, I just drove by and kind of glanced and I'm like, oh my God, look at this. And so, and then, you know, there are food cart pods in Beaverton, there are food cart pods in Tiger, there's food cart pods in Centralia, Washington, Yakima. It became a thing over the last, you know, 10 years, not just in Portland, it, it's everywhere. And uh, Minneapolis, Nashville, uh, uh, Tampa Bay, uh, all these places. And, and, you know, it all, the pod idea started in Portland and I'm kind of proud that we exported that. So obviously in the last year, one of the food categories or one of the uh, food carts did pretty well. I would imagine, I mean, yeah. 
Yeah. So the the yeah. pandemic was the was the perfect storm for food carts. I would. Yeah. So be, not only was it easy to go outside, you're outside and order, but options were limited in restaurants. Yeah. So all of a sudden, food carts. Do you think? that will continue that that that's going to abate a little bit and then the food cart owners are going to find things to be a little challenging maybe not for the next year but 2022 uh and beyond they're not going to have it as good as they had it over the last year i i don't know you know it's it's, it's a question of is the portland restaurant scene going to bounce back to fill the void you know, how many restaurants have closed? And I'm not just talking, you know, the boutiques. I'm talking about restaurants across the board. I mean, are we talking 100, 200, 500? You know, fast food is, has taken over because of the pandemic. Um, fast casual. I mean, there's a, there's a place down uh, by the bar uh, that has 23 restaurants in, in a ghost kitchen. And they're all doing delivery. And they all have, they're all branded as if they are brick and mortar. Everything has changed in the food scene. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, where will the food scene be in two years just in general? I, I, with the investments that uh, these pot owners have made over the past two years, like out east, et cetera, they're in areas that are restaurant deserts. Uh, and so those are the options for the people to walk to. And that's also where people are moving, where people are you know, where, where you can afford new housing, et cetera. So I think the pods that are executed well, going to be fine. I think the vendors who execute food well, they're going to be fine. Don't know about downtown, you know, I mean, if nobody goes back to work in downtown Portland. I mean, I don't mean it that way. If companies don't bring people back into the buildings and Portland doesn't figure out how to revitalize downtown, um, with just slogans like Portland City of Strength. I thought we were the City of Roses, by the way. Um, then I, I, I don't know. The downtown food carts are going to, that's going to be, the, I think, the hardest part. Uh, but all the other neighborhoods are thriving. Yeah, and I think we're, we're still coming out of it. Things are changing, but I'm hoping that in two years, things are in our rearview mirror. And that also yeah. means some of our beloved restaurants are in our rearview mirror and yeah. they're going to be new ones. But, um, you know, I personally am so sick of eating out of boxes. I, I, I just yeah. can't. I, we went to a restaurant this weekend in Astoria, Drina Daisy, which I love. And it was so nice to be able to order on the fly. That's the, the little things we took for granted. Oh, let's have this, or we like this, let's have another one, or whatever it might be, let me have a beer. Yeah. Um, so I think people are going to have missed that, and it's, you know, we're going to get back to that. However, food carts are a different animal, um, and I think they've enjoyed, you know, they, they, they benefited by some of the, um, the things. So when did you start thinking, well, first of all, I wanted to ask, because um, I think a lot of people are always curious about this and you don't need to get specific with numbers, but was food carts Portland, a profitable business? Was that something you could live off of? Um, I know you, you know, you went into home a bar in 2015. So I don't know whether that was because you needed to, or because you wanted to. Um, yeah. So food carts Portland, um, 
start off as a, as a side gig. I was, I was an IT guy, uh, and I had a good job. And then, uh, you know, layoffs and reorgs occurred. And so I took on food carts Portland, um, on a whim to see if I could turn into a business. And that first, I was given six months, <laughs> uh, that, that was the rule, the house rule. Uh, <laughs> and you know, 11, 11 years later, I, I have never been back into an office. Um, so food cuts Portland, the blog, um, I monetized only a little bit, um, never really monetized Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. Um, but what, what I did do is I was, I, I partnered with some food cart truck owners uh, early on, people who were truly fully mobile to create a business of uh, catering and events. And I was just getting tons of inquiries like, Hey, I need a, a food cart for a wedding. I need a food cart for an event. And I realized I was just missing a whole world. And so for five, six, seven years, that was my other job. And I do uh, three to 10 uh, large events every year, convention center, uh, world trade center, downtown director park. And I would, I would coordinate food trucks with the client and those were lucrative events, both for me and for the vendors. Um, and so I had a, I had a, uh, a group of uh, food trucks, about 20, 25 vendors that I worked with directly and we had a wonderful relationship. So um, it's, it, it, it did pay the bills. Yes. It's interesting uh, how those things happen that you don't have that in a business plan. And then all of a sudden opportunity, you say, yeah, Oh, no. here's where the opportunity is. And it's the way I've always operated too. Yeah. It's, 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 it's funny because I, I, over the years I've, I've had a lot of over the last 10 years, cause I've always felt myself as an entrepreneur, but I worked in it and in an office for 20 years. Um, but over the last 10 years, there've been a lot of people who are like, well, you're like Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. I'm like, <laughs> you know that always be selling or always and I, i've never seen the movie um oh you have to see that movie i know i know but it's but you know i just always had this drive to just continue to keep moving right and and try to do something more and in a space like food cars portland in a space like with twitter facebook um social media everything over the last 10 years apps you know, I had an app for a while. Um, it's always just, it was just the next challenge. What, what else can I do? You know, and I, you know, expansion, um, opened up a website and uh, enterprise in new Orleans that we sold, um, looked into Seattle, but that was already, they already had strong ties. Um, you know, worked with, uh, consulted with people in Waco to build their scene. So I, I these opportunities just presented themselves and I jumped at, it. you know, I, I, I know a lot of people and I've met a lot of people over, over, over my lifetime who, you know, you talk to them and they're like, Oh man, I remember that time when somebody asked me to do this. And I just, eh, like yeah, that was that one opportunity that you might've just passed up. And I just kept chasing the opportunities and, and luckily <laughs> it worked out. So. And then you had a, you know, over time, you developed quite a vast network of contacts, right? So yeah. you were out there and yeah. that's, that's, 
really one of the big benefits is when you have so many contacts, you have so so many things present themselves. But then I've learned that I've tried to stop using the word should or maybe could is better. But over time, so many people say you should do this and you should do that. And it, I don't know about you, but it tended sometimes you have to filter those out and decide which one of those are really helpful and thank you and others which are like shut up you're not I, I you want to do that go ahead and do that and um yeah so I have really tried not yeah. only with in terms of business but in terms of I just did it with you uh with Glengarry Glenn Ross yeah. I shouldn't be saying you have to do that no so, no but but you know with food carts Portland and with um, with even the bar, there are a lot of people out there, and and I, I have to look at it positively that they they mean it. They mean it in a positive way. They they they're not trying to condescend, um, but the way the words come out, oh, you know what you should do. It's kind of like ah, you realize I'm here forty hours a week. <laughs> And, you know, I'm here 20 hours beyond that to keep the business running. And, and you're sitting in a cubicle um, with, with benefits and, and a paid vacation. Maybe think before you say things like that, because after a while, it does kind of come across as, you know, I know more than you, even though you, you, you sometimes don't. And, and it, was, it was just, a, I've gotten that over the t- last 10 years. And I, I just wonder if that's just a, a trait of, owning a small business. Everybody else wants to, not everybody, I, I shouldn't say that, but there are a lot of people who feel like they could do the same thing you do. They just better. choose not to, or better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and um, but, but, the, it, but they can't get into that, that space um, to execute. And, um, you know, and I, I honestly, it's hard work. I'll be brutally honest. It's hard work. It's hard work. Physically, it's hard work. Emotionally, it's hard work. Uh, mentally, uh, owning your own business, um, ups and downs, everything. Um, I mean, I'm assuming you, you, you know these things. Uh, the pandemic was uh, challenging. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, just a <laughs> but little. For, and, but I think the thing about the pandemic, while it was challenging for many, every, you know, so many, we all, you, once you started to feel any self pity you start thinking about well other people have it way tougher i mean i think of i think of you know people who had kids at home they had to home homeschool on top of it as a matter of fact here's something brett you should rename home a bar to home a school and then you'll have no so i but at any rate there's a there's a bookstore down the street um that started hosting uh kids uh, neighborhood kids, all the parents knew each other just to start reading and get together and learn. And, uh, so when we were open between the two closures, so last fall, uh, one of the parents came by at three o'clock and it's like, can we bring the kids in for some grilled cheese sandwiches? And, and we didn't have anybody in the bar at three o'clock and, and we can have kids till five. And so they brought them in and these kids just loved it. And the parents are sitting there just drinking whiskey. <laughs> yeah. For, for an hour, it's fine. And they'll at four, let's, let's move. But, you know, I mean, we, we, we thought about a lot of those things, but then we also, no, we're a bar. So. so, yeah, no, I'd like to get to how you handled it with your bar. 
uh, in a bit, but I just let's let's yeah. stay with. Uh, I, I'm I'm not one to stay centered and focused. So I'm gonna try. <laughs> Hey, Chris, let's pause a moment and welcome on board to the Right at the Fork family, a great new sponsor, Finex Cast Iron Cookware Company. Yes, we're delighted. And the reason we're delighted is because, you know, having been in advertising for years, I just love the fact that we have a podcast and we have advertisers that we truly believe in. Anybody who's listening to the podcast knows some of the others that we talk about every week and they're near and dear to our hearts. Well, so is Finex because, Court, I think you uh, agreed and I did too. It's almost every day for the last few years, ever since we acquired our Finex cast iron skillets, that we've been using them. Daily. Every single day, there is a use in my family for our 12-inch cast iron pan. And they still look great, and they're easy to clean. And one of the things I like best about this cast iron, and I wasn't a big cast iron user before this, once in a while for some kind of casserole, but I'm frying on this every day, is the smooth surface. It is unlike anything you've ever seen in a cast iron skillet. And of course, that's one of the features that caused Finex to bring cast iron to the fore in the cooking world in the last few years. It's not that it hasn't, cast iron hasn't been around for years, but now it's really become the thing and Finex is the premium for, as they say, Finex is built for those that believe details make the difference. And that couldn't be a truer statement. One of the things I love about my uh, 12-inch skillet, Chris, is not only is it awesome and versatile, you can do so many things with it. It's like a work of art. It's just a beautiful piece of iron. And uh, to know that it was, you know, that Finex is based here in Portland. And in fact, I was just reading, it takes 12 hours and 12 hands to create these beautiful pieces of, again, artwork and great cooking material. Yeah, I leave mine right on my stovetop because it's no reason to put it away. No, it's great. I use it all the time. No I'm reason. lazy. Yeah, no, no. I, I don't think you're lazy at all because I do the exact same thing. I want people when they walk into my kitchen to say, oh, wow, you have a Finex. Yeah, they're great. And there's a reason over this past year when I've been watching a lot of chefs like Gabriel Rucker and others doing their home cooking demonstrations on Instagram, you, you're always going to see them cooking in Finex. Yep. Uh, here might be the best thing about uh, when you purchase a Finex product is that all Finex products are guaranteed good forever. Can't beat that. Yep. Yeah, no, you can't beat that. And that's a pretty confident statement and business proposition for them to make. Mm-hmm. So find, a, f- find all their products at FinexUSA.com. So uh, what was it that caused you to want to sell it? And when you sold it, was it an active sale or did it, is it something that just came about? Um, so um, a, opening the bar took a lot more work away from my focus on food trucks. And um, market trends uh, with events and catering we're shifting. And so I had to focus my time and my energy where, again, back to make a living. And so the bar became the priority. Um, and also everything around the bar, um, you know, moving forward with you know, staffing and expansion and all that stuff. 
I, I started to, um, so food cost Portland, I, the, the amount of content going to food cost Portland started to lower. And, and that disappointed me personally, because I, I felt like I was letting my audience down. Um, also around that time, you know, 14, 15, 16, there was a shift in what was being offered at the food carts. And it, and it was difficult for me because I would go downtown Portland to do a tour and my options for say there are a hundred food carts and 45% of them are selling the exact same thing. And their, their menus are exactly the same. And that became a challenge because then the stories aren't any different. And it's hard to write about the same thing over and over and over again. Uh, and then you start, I start seeing that everywhere. And granted, I believe it was a shift in the way um, I mean, it, 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 it was a shift in global politics. It's a shift in all these things on why this, these cuisines suddenly became ubiquitous everywhere. Um, shift in our palates, et cetera. But I just realized that we were in a different world. And for me, that became challenging for my own voice. Um, and so that's when I actually stopped writing a little bit as much and then uh some people started approaching me you know well what are you doing with this business what are you doing with this and um there was one tenacious guy who just kept asking the question you know i you know and finally he during pandemic he was like okay let's do this and he uh we're friends he's out of seattle uh he he's a he owns a seattle food truck uh dot com and does a great job with it and he just called me up in January and it's like, here, here we go. And I'm like, sure, let's chat on the phone, talk for an hour and wrote up a contract. So it was pretty fast. Um, took about a month, month and a half to do everything. Uh, there's still some kid, there's still some crumbs out there that, I, you know, I'll get an email here or I'll get a phone call here. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> things like that. But yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was, uh, wonderful. It was, it was cathartic. Um, there was emotion to it. Uh, it's strange driving by a food cart pot um, because it's like it's not mine anymore. You know, it's not. So, but it's reminiscent of when you country. when you graduate uh, from high school, right? And then you yeah. drive by the high school five years later, and you think, "Jeez, yeah. that was my whole life. That's all I could think it yeah. was going to be." Yeah. And now yeah. it's nothing. So it'll take yeah. a while. So. Yeah. Um, but I would imagine it doesn't. So when I go back and look at Food Carts Portland as a blog, it doesn't look like you were doing much after 18 anyway. So it couldn't have been, it, it could have been a relief. It yeah. was a relief, I'm sure, to say, okay, I don't have to worry about this anymore. I'm sure that was, yeah. you just mentioned it was weighing on your mind and now you didn't have to think about it any longer. Yeah, and, and, and honestly, after that point, I was, I was focusing more on, on you know, Instagram and, and Facebook, um, because that's where I was getting a lot more, um, you know, interaction from people versus the, the stories. And honestly, writing those stories is, is it was a passion um, for many years, and I loved it. 
I loved it. I'd get up every morning and write a story. And, and I just got to a point where I, I didn't feel, I was felt like I was being disingenuous to the, to the person I was writing about. Yeah. So it, it, when it becomes a task, yeah. you know, and that wasn't your idea. You wanted to be passionate about what you were doing. And when it went, yeah, I can, I can understand that. And I didn't realize, I guess I did realize that if I step back and take a look, but as you describe it, yeah, when I look at food carts, so many of them are Thai food now. And those are the ones that pop up here on the coast, Thai food after Thai food. Mm -hmm. it's, that's great, except for what happened to, you know, we get Louisiana Cajun cuisine and everything that we wanted to sample at a food cart. Well, we were, we were, we were so, um, what's the word, uh, we were catered to, you know, th those years when... You know, Nong's Kaman Guy opened and the dump truck and Goffrey Gourmet and a Garden State and every, well, um, uh, the one with the Schnitzel Witch. I can't even think of it anymore. Schnitzel Witch. Um, yeah. Um, the Czech cart. Yes, yeah, Schnitzel Witch. Um, Czech couple. But it's one of those things where, I kind of come, I, I, I see people who whine about old Portland and everything. And, and I'm like, really? You like old Portland? Uh, but then again, I also sit back and I like reminisce about 2011, 2012, 2013, where every vendor I wrote about, I was like, oh my God, what the heck are you doing in there? It's amazing. And, and then, and again, I truly believe over the last 10 years, there was a shift in population. There was a shift in the palace. There was a shift in, the, the, the um, cost and, and it became more affordable just to open a restaurant than open a food cart. Whereas in 2011, 2012, 2013, you couldn't open a restaurant. You know, people were coming out of the 2009 crisis. And so then the people who would have opened a food cart, they open a restaurant and they're, they're, they're doing great. Um, but now, like I said, coming back to pandemic, coming even a little bit pre-pandemic, you have people opening brilliant stuff out of food carts, three course meals, uh, uh, regional cuisine. We're getting a lot more diverse cuisine out of Africa, um, uh, South America, Asia, you know, not just Thai, but maybe Northern Thai. Uh, and, and so luckily I believe these are entrepreneurs and chefs who are like, ah, I see this niche but I want to be outside that niche. Um, I said niche and niche. Wow. Um, and then, you know, uh, even regional American cuisines, uh, not just Southern, but, you know, Nashville Southern or, uh, you know, Alabama Southern, stuff like that. So, um, it's, it's always going to be there. It's always going to be diverse. Uh, I just, like I said, 2015, there was a, was a breaking point for me and certain things. So. Well, it took a while for you to pass that breaking point and then. Yeah. yeah. And it did. It did. I mean, like I said, I, I had multiple people approach me and I just couldn't, I couldn't let go. I couldn't let go because it was, it was my words. It was my right. photos. It was my experiences. It's, it's selling 10 years of my experiences and, you know, um, that's, 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 that's tough. I mean, you're a photographer. 
you know, and you're a photographer. You right. take amazing photos. Oh, thank um, you. I appreciate it. And so if you put together a photo book um, of your favorite photos, and then somebody walked up and said, I'll give you money for that, but you could never show people those photos again. You know, it, it's, you're giving away a piece of you that you can never own again. I mean, eh, it's out there. It's social media. People know I took that photo. It's, I'm I'm not worried about that, but it is the words and everything, you know? Well, they'll always be there. The only problem is that what you wrote in 2015 is not necessarily relevant today. So it's got to be kept up. And so what did, um, what's, what's the name of the new owner in Seattle? If you don't mind. John. John. So what did John tell you? He had to say something that would convince you to say, okay, that passion that you put into it, there's going to be some integrity in that passion. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go kill it for you. What did he say to you to make you feel better about that? Well, um, we'd been, we'd become friends over a couple of years and uh, because Seattle has a really great program on how they allow food trucks to roam in the downtown core and move around because they don't have the pods because they just don't have the land and it's really expensive. And so back when we learned that the food cart lot at tent was going away, you know, we were, I was working with the city of Portland, the mayor's office, uh, the developers of the, you know, the, the, what's the family, uh, they own all property, the Goodman's, uh, Melvin Mark to see if we could figure out a way to um, just a second, turn my phone on. Uh, to see if we could figure out a a way to allow street food still to thrive in downtown Portland if these lots are going away. And the idea was have designated parking lots with these food trucks, etc. So we went up to Seattle and met John and became fast friends. And, and I see what he does up there very well in promoting food trucks. And then just, you know, over years we became good friends. So it was, I want to expand. I want to take this to the next level and, you know, let me do it. <laughs> it was, it was, I don't know. I think it was, there was a piece of the pandemic and a piece of, it happened during the second closure which for me as a restaurant owner hurt even more because all indoor dining was closed, even though, and, 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 and cases skyrocketed, even though indoor dining was closed uh, for three months. So it had nothing to do with inner dining. And so there was a lot, I, I was going through with my, with, with friends, family, staff, we were very frustrated about some things. And so, when he called and I'm like, you know, this just takes one more little nugget that sits in the back of my mind all the time off the plate and allows me to free up that emotional space, that uh, time to focus on something else uh, more positive. And there we go. So, and he gave me a new project to, you know, help transition and get back into, you know, how do you transfer a domain and all that, all this 
Oh, that's that stuff is no fun. That that you know, if I was selling my stuff, I would say that's all on your. Here you go. Here's the passwords. It's all on your. You you yeah. take it because that's that stuff I can't stand. But um, yeah. but uh, so it was how long ago? Six months ago. Yeah, January. And so you've had. You're obviously, we're talking six months later, and you had time to digest it. So you're feeling pretty good about it at this stage, even better. So you probably, there's always buyers or sellers remorse. Um, So probably for a month or so after, I would imagine you were fretting a little bit, maybe, or no, you just immediate relief. It was immediate relief. Yeah. And um, I was able to, uh, move on fast. I, I think for three days, three or four days, I just had, that, 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 that feeling in your stomach or that feeling like, of, Oh geez, did I make the right decision? But then boom, you know, Hey, we'll get, get to reopen the bar on February 12th. Let's do this. It was the right decision to be made. And, uh, you know, again, like, like I said in my Facebook post on the next adventures and, um, those adventures are, I don't know. <laughs> so do you, so is your next adventure doing the best you can do with, with your bar? Um, yeah. Or do you foresee, you know, maybe adding something ancillary that maybe is related or not even related to. Um, um, no, it's, it's really, it's, it's related to the bar. Um, and, uh, you know, just Scott and I um, just returned from a week in Nashville um, having a wonderful time. And, you know, when, when we go away like that, we just two business partners pretty much hanging out and drinking beer for a week. And, um, and, and we just talk about ideas and ideas and ideas about growth and about expansion and about what if we did this, you know, as simple as a new cocktail menu for summer, things like that. And, and just look for ideas. So, you know, we come back just vibrant. Uh, like yesterday is, is a, Monday is a long day for me because I worked the bar for the whole shift, and and I'm 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 not a young man anymore. But it was such a fun day because my brain is just full of ideas and uh, how could I what could we do better or you know what's this summer going to bring because people are coming back out. People are coming back in droves. And so, you know, how do we capture that? And is it a, you know, like I said, is it a new cocktail menu? Is it, is it an expanded kitchen menu? Is it, you know, Facebook promotions? Is, you know, all this stuff just goes through my head and, and, and that's invigorating. So I guess, I guess I would say, yeah, that's part of the new adventure. Um, I also uh, like to go off roading and, uh, um, camping in the woods. So, <laughs> well, that's good. But yeah, that's, that's a, yeah. You're, that's as good. you said, you're not, I'm not going to say you're not a young man any longer because you're younger <laughs> than I am. So you are a young man, but you do have to enjoy life. That's, that's the reason you have biz- a business. Hey, Chris, let's pause just a moment and talk about one of our favorite places to eat, Ringside Steakhouse. 
Yeah, and ringside, it seems like back to normal at ringside, but it's even better than it used to be because now, in addition to indoor dining and takeout, you've got beautiful outdoor dining at ringside and they just set up a new little area. And uh, as they said yesterday, you can, you've got an old dog learning new tricks. Uh, at ringside. So they have some really beautiful space outside. And of course, the weather is conducive to that right now. Um, and their hours are Wednesday to Friday, 5 to 10 p.m., Saturday and Sunday, opening an hour earlier at 4. And you can order your to-go food uh, an hour before the start of business. So note those hours that I just men mentioned, and you can pick it up until nine when you do go to ringside steakhouse if you're gonna if you're choosing to dine in whether that be indoor or outdoor you want to make those reservations you can do that through the website ringsidesteakhouse.com or i use the open table app chris and that makes it super easy you just hop on there you find your time you find your table and you're good to go it's it's a 30 second process at most to get yeah. a reservation at ringside so uh think about what you're doing in the next 30 seconds and Think about how productive and delicious that can be. And again, if you missed any of the information we just covered, the website, again, is ringsidesteakhouse.com. That probably was one of the um, silver linings, if, if there was one in the pandemic, is that it forced so many people to think differently. And yeah. what are we going to do, not only for the short term, but what will stick that we'll need for yep. the long term. So I think you probably had to filter out those ideas. So, well, that's great, but that's going to work till May. And yeah. after that, we don't need that. We need something bigger. So is that, so, has that been a little bit of a challenge? Uh, a little bit. Uh, it's, when the pandemic started and the lockdown started a year ago, um, I couldn't, uh, you know, a lot of people were like, oh, I'm going to learn a language. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I, I dabbled in baking. I tried to learn some baking. I had fun. Um, I made, we made lunch at the bar once a week, and we'd do steak, or I'd do a pork loin, trying to learn better cooking techniques. The funny thing out of this was I became a better accountant than anything. And uh, uh, so I, I, I know the minute details of cost, expense, uh, labor, uh, where the money's going, where the money doesn't need to go, uh, to a point where I'm embarrassed that I didn't know this opening a, opening a restaurant, but you know, I, I, I had to teach myself that because if I hadn't, we'd be closed, right? You know, an accountant early on, I went through a Zoom call with some restaurant people and this person's like, okay, the first thing you need to do is know what your expenses are and then go through those and find out where you can cut them. And yeah, I called DirecTV and they put my account on hold. Like, well, thank you. I don't have to pay you for six months. So it, it, a lot of those things. And so, like I said, I, I didn't learn a language. I didn't really learn any new skills, but I, I am now a better account <laughs> as a result of the pandemic. Had I thought that? No. Um, but I think... Scott and I are, are, are stronger, um, the bar is strong, um, we're open, we're, you know, making a go of it. Um, have there been tough days? Yeah. But, Were there times um, where you thought you weren't going to make it through, through yeah. the pandemic? Yeah. Yeah. Um, early on, early on in the first month, first two months. And it was because of, 
the sudden closure and uh, uh, bills, right? And um, we have a we have good people that we partner with, not partner, but you know, pay, <laughs> and, um, you know, vendors, uh, more, uh, our lease, etc. So we had a cushion, but that that cushion was not long, and and and, and lucky for us, you know the uh, federal government came through with uh, the grants to just help us get through those three months. And then once we reopened in, in January, in June, um, we were fine. And then we ran lean from June to November, uh, working hard. So we were able to save so that once November to once the November to February closure came, we didn't, no stress. We were, we were, feeling okay with, uh, um, you know, we couldn't pay our employees during closure, um, but we could keep the lights on. Yeah, that's that's good to hear because I was thinking, wow, the, the volume that the restaurants are doing compared to what they used to do, the little bit of takeout they can do now. and uh, But again, you didn't have some of the overhead that you had when you were when the restaurant was just wide open and you had servers and all that, but it's good to hear because I just couldn't figure out how anybody, how so many were going to make it. And many didn't, I mean, there's so many that are closed right now. It's so sad. Um, But it's good to hear that you were able to sustain it and utilize some government help a little bit. Um, You know, I heard so much, so many diverse opinions about that government help about how easy it was to get, how hard it was to get, how it was really, uh, you know, smoke and mirrors uh but it's good to hear that you're able to use it um productively yeah and I, like i said i was able to get pulled into a um I, I think it was sponsored by the restaurant association in oregon orla and it was a zoom call with i don't know 20 people including a restaurant consultant and some of the people on the call were some people that you know and i know that are names of chefs, successful restaurateurs in Portland, not necessarily high, but middle um, groups. I'll, I'll leave it at that, the groups. And they were coming in going, you know, they, we were, they were talking about PPP versus the tax credits you could get if you don't take the PPP versus, well, it'd be shown as income and such a diverse conversation it was able to show us all the pros and the cons of these things. And that was, that was the best part of it. And, and then somebody was like, yeah, well, I just called up this guy, you know, towel guy, the people who bring us towels and, and they're willing to pause. Like, oh, I hadn't even thought about that. Right. Cause I don't need towels delivered every two weeks if I'm close. Um, and so there was a, it was peers helping peers. Um, and with a kind of a, kind of an expert throwing in nuggets of like, have you guys thought of this? Have you guys thought of this? And, and I'll, I'll say in the same way that, you know, you have a euphoria, if you have, have a great day at the bar, I, I was jumping, I, we were closed and I was scared that, you know, scared to pay my bills. And that, yet that afternoon I was like, I'm going to open a bottle of champagne because that that conversation with peers, people in the same boat as me, got gave me just so much hope that we're gonna make it. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna make it. We're gonna 
make sure we make it. And, uh, and we have, and we're, we're, we're good. That's fantastic. So you've been managing and reacting for a year and you're what you learned to be pretty good at over time was utilizing social media and other media to promote oneself. So coming out of this, um, I guess the primary, the question I have is what is home home's um, unique selling proposition. Who's your customer? Who should know about you that doesn't and who would enjoy it and become a regular? We're, we're a neighborhood bar and we, we welcome everybody and anybody. Um, we'll do sports, Liverpool, Wisconsin, Timbers. Uh, we've done trivia in the past, but it's not just trivia. It's horror trivia. Uh, so, you know, all over the place, different kinds of things. We've hosted, uh, Oscar parties. We've had, uh, we had a, a group of people over a couple of years who came in regularly to watch the ring ceremony for the bachelor. That was fun. Uh, on a Sunday night, we'll, we'll, we do, we'll do anything. We have a great menu, uh, which continues to evolve for the better. We've been on a limited menu for pandemic just because. When, when you have a looming, you need to close soon. We need to be very aware of what we're buying. And then in the past four months, cost of everything has gone up probably 30%. So we're being diligent about our uh, proteins and what we buy. Um, great booze, great cocktail menu. And then number one, we have great staff. We have kind, engaging, friendly bartenders. And, and kitchen staff and we're all open. It's an open bar and, you know, an open kitchen. So you see everything and, you know, the people who come by, they're just like, we love this. And, you know, I'm not going to be superlative and say we have the best burger in town. We do have a great burger. Uh, I'm not going to say we have, we're a mixologist, but we do make great cocktails. Anybody's uh, allowed to say they have the best burger. So go uh, ahead. Everybody does. Yeah, everybody has the best burger. We were voted the best burger on at Seventh and Morrison uh, uh, five years ago. <laughs> right, um, yeah. But if if anybody knows our reputation with Burger Week, we do anywhere between twenty five hundred and three thousand burgers in a week. You don't do that if it's not that good. Wow, um, that's a lot of burgers. So, yeah, and so we've taken those experiences and expanded to, you know, we have a six dollar smash burger that is not a that is not a McDonald's smash burger. It's, it's a third pound beef burger that it's just on the simpler side with ingredients, but it's, it's brilliant. We're getting our buns now from Dos Hermanos Bakery, which took it up even a notch. These guys are great. Um, and like I said, moving forward in the next month, we're going to be expanding our menu. Now that we have confidence that nobody's going to shut us down or take us back to 25% or restrict us in any, any way, shape or form, we're going to expand get the menu back to pre-pandemic levels um, and get uh, ready for summer burger, burger week in August. We have, Oh geez, that burger is going to be amazing. And then fall, we dive right back into the, the busy season of um, our, our, our Badger people and our Liverpool people and our NFL. So. I find it interesting that in the beginning when we started 
talking uh, almost an hour ago, you were humbly saying that you didn't cook and that you just wrote about food carts. So, <laughs> yeah, that, but now you're uh, now you're in the thick of it, so to speak, yeah. and um, it's cool to hear. So, uh, and the evolution from what you were doing from you know sitting working in an office for 20 years yeah. uh, to this is interesting. And you become, I think, Brett, a part of the fabric of the Portland food world, whether you're you. owning, <laughs> por- whether you're owning food carts, Portland or not, you still have that legacy. It'll always be there. That was your yeah. deal. And so you built and, it. And I have, like you said early on, I've made, I'm friends with tons of people around the world because of this and locally. And, and, and I, I don't mean that as like click like friends on Facebook. I'm friends with them, you know, and, and, you know, we send Christmas cards or, you know, we call each other on our birthdays and, or just randomly say, how you doing? Um, I, I, I'm watching friends, kids grow up, um, watching friends get married and, you know, across the, across the pond in Singapore, Philippines, Malaysia, Indonesia, Germany, um, uh, London. And I'm honored. I mean, I'm, they say, they say the same thing, but I'm honored to, to know these people because, you know, I, I, I revered them and what they've done in their lives and their careers. And, and I just, <laughs> I, I, wow. I, I could go to London and sit down with a, with a, and have dinner with a Michelin chef and, and we're friends. We're, we just shoot the shit, you know, <laughs> it's, 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 it's crazy that, that's happened and that's it's great and they're still ahead of you i'll make i've made this suggestion before because i feel so strongly about it to others something i should do <laughs> no i'm just saying uh, yes i guess you know. if you did you might be you might see the results i get personally so put it that way but i you know, I'm, a, I'm not an Apple person, so I'm a Google person. So all these years, you know, I've taken a lot of photos. I mean, for I was yeah. commenting this weekend. For me to scroll through just to get to last month, I get carpal tunnel syndrome to get to last month. So all my photos are saved on Google Photos. And all I do is go and put them in a few albums. And on my big screen TV, I don't watch much TV, a little bit. But generally speaking, all day long, what's scrolling is all my photos over the past 15 years, 10, 15 years. And I would imagine this would be cool for you if you did it or you could, but I see, you know, all my trips to Europe and the being with people and the people that I've met along the way and all the moments that I've spent on the beach with the dogs and all the great food and all the great events. And it just scrolls by. And especially during the pandemic, it was incredibly helpful to remember what life was like and what it could be like and what it will be like again. Um, It's pretty cool. So I only mention that because you have met a lot of people. I'm sure you have some great photographs, whether they're, you know, whatever kind of photographs they are, just the memories. Hard to find it. <laughs> There's so many photos. Cause I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm the photographer. Yeah. I, I, I take photos all the time. And, uh, so, and it's all, it's all on Google. Um, I love that it, I can find them via location. That, that helps. Um, cause you know, what year was I in Singapore? You know, things right. like that. So I just type in Singapore and then boom, they show up. And I'm able to relive that, you know, that moment, um, hanging out with uh, my Vietnamese friends. And, you know, I'm 
towering above them. <laughs> and that was the funny joke. It's like, because I'm just a giant, tall American man. And then they're all like hugging my waist. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure your facial hair is a little bit uh, out of the yeah. ordinary for them too. Exactly. So, but, but beyond just being able to call them up with Google Home, you can just put, they're just scroll every 30 seconds forever. It's, it's you know, remember when they came out with those out, with those photo frames that were $350 yeah. and you had to put input um, a um, USB, whatever it is called. Now it's all there. So, uh, and this weekend I went through, my girlfriend said, hey, do, we, do you have those pictures from Jacksonville up there? Uh, oh, no, but I'll go go through the last month, 150 photos now added to the whole <laughs> thing. So it's pretty cool. And I, I feel like some, as, as someone who's been through depression before, it is a great antidote to that, just to, for appreciation, to look and Definitely. see, wow, all these. Okay, that's enough of that. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to pontificate. And no? I no. realize that people tune in to hear about you and not me. But, um, <laughs> but so anyway, so listen, Brett, that's, um, it's really good to be able to chat with you. I know, you know, we're not going to lose touch. It's always fun. I knew, you know, I think when I contacted you last week about doing this and you were a little leery about, well, I don't own it anymore. I just knew we'd have a fun conversation. Yeah. You always have a lot to talk about. So um, it's easy and we could pick this up anytime. So in closing, I know it's not your thing anymore, but let's one last shot. Are there any food carts that come to mind for you that maybe people should go give a shot that they may not know about. I, you talked about those pods out on 82nd. So someone yeah. might find, that's the cool thing about pods is if you yeah. don't know what you want and you're not, and which is often the case for me, you just go there and walk around and go, oh, that looks yeah. good. Let me, let me give that yeah. a one. So one of the pods is called Core. And, and for the last minute, I'm not going to tell you what that means, C-O-R-E. But it is a community organization-based pod. And so they have brought in a very diverse um, grouping of, of vendors, so um, diverse uh, ethnically, et cetera. So, you know, that's going to give you um, – I, I haven't been there, but it's going to give you a, a wide range of options. Um, there is one out there that I have been meaning to. I want to say Erica's Soul Food, and it's in Montevilla, in the area around Montevilla, so 82nd start because she has lemon pepper wings um and she's from the south where i know lemon pepper wings is a big deal and, and it's one of those foods that i've been just on my radar i just want them i tried them i tried to make them i can't make them right um uh to be honest uh, i'm waiting for it uh during pandemic i went up to my favorite food cart tijuana uh oaxacan cuisine up on killingsworth off uh, interstate because they do a, what's called a tlayuda and it's a uh, Oaxacan tortilla that's the size of a pizza topped with all the goodies. And because of the pandemic, they weren't able to get the playudas in because they would get them from Oaxaca. And so I, I, I've been just waiting kind of, I, I keep following their social media to find out, do they have them back? Cause that's a dish that if I ever get invited to someone's house for, for dinner or barbecue or whatever, I bring that because nobody's ever seen it. And it's truly amazing. So, and I know that there are a few other uh, Oaxacan vendors out there doing them. So you just gotta, gotta go find them. And then, All right, so when are you coming over? Because that's the, yeah. that is the perfect segue for, <laughs> yeah. Your, yeah. I'm inviting you Sounds over good. to the house. I, I'll, a uh, uh, couple weeks. Uh, <laughs> I gotta get down and mow the lawn uh, in the Halem. Uh, 
But uh, another one that I'm excited for, we were talking about, you said you went to Astoria and had a wonderful dinner and just that wonderful experience. Well, last summer, my, my going out was being able to go back to Hagen's for lunch. And um, I'm a, I, I, I've been a regular at Hagen's for 15 years. And, and when they reopened the dining room, it was wonderful to walk through and say hello to the manager, say hello to the kitchen staff, say hello to Greg, say hello to Charlie, the, the bartender had been there forever, forever, have a wonderful glass of wine and have a, have a wonderful meal sitting down and relaxing. So I'll give a, a shout out to Higgins, right. which is their uh, food cart up at the Oregon Historical Society, um, which they just reopened um, because they still, Higgins, when they, we reopened um, after second closure, they've only been, they're only doing dinner service. And uh, I'm, a, I'm a lunch guy. I, 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 I love going out to lunch. Um, and, uh, but uh, uh, I'm just excited that, they, again, still going strong after, geez, I think I want to say 22, 23 years now. So um, one of my favorites. Yeah, you know, we, uh, it wasn't long ago that I used to, try my best to celebrate the restaurants that had made it from the nineties and were no longer the, the next shiny thing in Portland, yeah. which, you know, over the past five years, that's all who gets, that's who gets the attention is the, yeah. the, the newest restaurants, but you have your Higgins, your Paley's places and yeah. um, you know, your Papa Hyde's. I just met Michael Gibbons. Yeah. Um, they've all been around for a long time. And uh, so now to have made it through the pandemic, that's another yeah test yeah. of time yeah so. we went out to we went out to sailors um a few months ago sailors uh steakhouse wonderful they, they they're still executing it excellently and so makes me want to take the boys and go to ringside because you know i haven't been to ringside in 20 years um and it's one of those portland it's been there and they've they've, they've made it and uh you know so uh paley's uh, you know. Well, plus the yeah, beautiful thing about yeah. those restaurants, and I, we didn't get to touch on this, but it's okay about uh, finding people to work. Now that's a little challenging. Oh, yeah. But the beautiful thing about those two that you just mentioned, Ringside and Paley's, if I were to think of where I want to have that ultimate service experience, mm -hmm. those are two, and Higgins too. Yeah. Right. So those are three that come to mind that know how to do it, that have been there for the long haul. And, you know, that's good old time service. Um, and that's what I'm I'm craving. And uh, yeah. So, yeah, let's let's get to ringside. So there's all sorts of things I thought I'd love to go to Piggins with you sometime during lunch, but also ringside. You know, we're it's one of our favorite places and we are blessed to have had ringside. It's a perfect ending to this yeah. as a sponsor to the podcast for years now. So oh, um, good. It, yeah, good. It's, a, it's, it's a blessing. So um, Brett, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Look, Thanks, let's Greg. plan on getting out of here. I, I just mean, got a hedge trimmer. So I can, if you want me to run out and, and get your lawn to save you the, I don't no, want to no, save no, you the fine. trip though. You need to come out. So forget it. No, I need to come out. Um, I got a shellfish license this year and I want to get clams. I want to see, try my, hand and getting razor clams or uh, sea urchins. So that's this summer's uh, adventure. Good. Well, I look forward to seeing you this summer for sure. Please We're going to do it. Okay. Okay, man. Thanks. This, um, 
This has been a pleasure. Thanks, Chris. Take care and uh, enjoy the mountains. Will do. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Right